What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you'll get all of our new updates to our draft guide, which is coming over the weekend. We're going to start loading articles into the draft guide. We've been editing like maniacs. I've been I've probably edited about close to 50,000 words. No, no word of a lie there. Um, the editing process has been absolutely insane over the last week or so. We have a ton of stuff for you. I got to shout out all the guys. We're going to be doing it a lot on social as well. But the entire team here has just put so much work into our draft guide. And you guys are going to start to see that over the weekend. So make sure you guys are checking out sportsethos.com and getting yourself a fantasy pass. That is where you will be able to get all of our content. It'll be shared out on social media as well. But make sure you guys are subscribers to the site. It is worth it. It'll cost you 6 bucks to get in on the fantasy pass side. The draft guide itself will be a little more expensive if you just want to go for the draft guide. I do recommend getting yourself a fantasy pass and gearing up for content all year long. And that will be, of course, at Ethos Fantasy BB. We have a really cool tool as well that I just teased out on social today. That'll be a draft tracker and an ADP tracker. Specifically, the ADP tracker, I think, is really, really cool. That's what we were teasing specifically today. And it shows you across all the different sites what the ADPs are and where they are going. If a player has moved up over the last few days, if they're going down, uh, we have it set up by the last five days, last 10 days, and last 15 days so that you guys will be able to get a good idea of if these players are starting to move up, if they're starting to move down, if you want to take him in the fourth round now because generally he's a fifth rounder, but he's moving up and give you an idea of how to build your draft. So a lot of exciting stuff. Make sure you guys are checking us out. Once again, that's Ethos Fantasy BB. But I do want to talk about a couple things today, and I want to start off by talking about just how to evaluate spring training in general and what to look for, what to what to avoid. There are certain things, and I talked about it last week, or not last week, it was earlier this week, I think, or maybe it was last week. I lose track. I do a show every single day. Who the hell knows at this point? But I talked about Carlos Rodon and how his velocity going up is a really good, tangible sign that he's quote-unquote, back. And I say that kind of cautiously. I kind of pause there. But when a player has velocity up or when they're getting back to where they used to be after an injury or something like that, like that is a huge, huge sign. Velocity, if a player, like let's say Rodon was sitting 92 or 93 right now, that would be a huge, huge red flag for us. But he's sitting 95 or so and touching 97. So something like that is something that you can take away and think, okay, He's more safe than I thought he was a few days ago because that velocity is back. It's back for now. And this is such a fluid game, right? If it's down tomorrow, then we have to reevaluate. But for now, you see somebody's velocity goes up. We saw Tariq Skubal hit 100 the other day, which I don't know if he'd ever hit 100 before. Not that I'd seen. I thought he was maybe like at his peak touching 97, 98. But he threw a pitch 100 miles an hour. Like things like that, velocity is is huge right we we break the game down at this point in time we have access to so many stats and we break it down like a million different ways and that is good for the game the more data we have the better we are at evaluating but there's also some certain key things like I talked about strikeout minus walk rate being a huge part of my process because it tells you a lot it's a very simple statistic but it tells you a lot if you look year and year who has the best strikeout minus walk rates? Generally, those are the pitchers that you want to be targeting year after year. It's very simple. You don't need to look much deeper than that a lot of the time. And, you know, you should, but if you just want to look at the surface, things like speed, strikeouts, the basic stuff like that, those are huge. If you see a guy is going out there in spring and striking out everybody left, right, and center, 
it's a it's a sign as well, right? They go hand in hand, the velocity and the strikeouts. Not always, but generally speaking, you raise your velocity, your strikeout rate is going to go up as well. And those are things that you got to look at. Now, I've seen all over Twitter today, and if you are on Twitter as much as I am, you probably have as well. Christopher Morell hit a couple of home runs today. And now people are talking about, well, there he goes up a few rounds in drafts. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Anybody could hit a couple home runs on any given day. If you remember early last season, Trace Thompson for the Dodgers had a three-home run game. He drove in like eight runs. I was a, a crazy game first week of the season. And then, you know, as people do, he started getting added up the next couple of days in fantasy. But we all knew that that wasn't going to last, obviously, right? There are some people who will get baited into it and think, oh, look, the early home runs, the home runs are coming. It's very random. Unless we see Christopher Morrell hit like 15 or 17 home runs in spring training, it's not going to be something that I really care about, to be honest with you. It's a good sign. It's better than striking out, of course, but it doesn't really make me want to push him up a draft board the way that increased velocity would. If somebody just happens to run into a couple of good pitches or you know, they get a mistake pitch that they happen to take for a ride and people start moving them up because of that. Like, we've been doing this for six months now, evaluating players. We went through every position. We're going through every single team. We're breaking it down from a lot of different angles. If I start changing things just because a guy hits a home run, then I might as well not be doing this because that's just absolutely absurd. Unless we're seeing something different or something added on with that. You know, the launch angle is better than it was last year. The velocity, or excuse me, the uh, the exit velocity is higher than it was last year. He's averaging a couple more miles an hour off the bat. He's hitting the ball harder and their line drives. And, you know, things like that you can start to read into, which is where the more data does help us. But if you're just saying to yourself, Christopher Morrell hit a home run, he hit two home runs, he hit four. Let's say he hit went five for five with five home runs. It wouldn't matter. Like, yeah, it would be kind of cool, and maybe you'd be tempted to knock him up like a couple of spots in your rankings. But people who are talking about Christopher Morrell any differently than they were yesterday, for me, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a couple of home runs. It's a good sign. Like, don't get me wrong. It's better than if he was doing poorly. But to just throw away every other problem, the massive strikeout rates, the fact that he can't really field any position properly, uh, the low batting average, the inconsistency that we've seen. Like, yes, there's a lot of power there. We've always known there was power there. A couple of home runs, it shouldn't really change your opinion on him too much. And it shouldn't really change your opinion on any player just to see any anything in spring training over the course of one or two days. That's specifically talking about batters because a pitcher, it is a little bit different. If a batter has, you know, a couple of hits that are really, really hard, like that can be something, like even if they hit their their max exit velocity ever. It's something, but I think the average exit velocity is more important. Are they sustaining that or do they just happen to really run into a pitch and that's why they hit the thing 117? Or are they generally hitting the thing 117? Well, if it's completely anomalous, then you can kind of throw that away. The same that you can if somebody is having a three home run day. That's, those are kind of the main things, right? Uh, look for velocity for pitchers. And, and another thing with pitchers that a lot of people talk about is they've added a new pitch. A lot of the times, pitchers will add a new pitch, and it'll either A, not be very good, or B, not a massive part of their repertoire. It's just another pitch. They already have two, or they already have three, and they add something else that will sometimes maybe stick, and sometimes maybe not. And we don't really know too far in advance if something is going to be able to stick or not. So when I see all these lists getting posted of 10 pitchers who have a new pitch that they're working on, I don't really pay much attention to it. Unless I, unless there is something there where you see the new pitch is being used in games and it's very successful, then you can start to think about it. But just 
people talking about, well, this guy's working on a new pitch. That's all he needed. He's getting boosted. Like even even Spencer Strider, who I absolutely adore. You guys know how much I love Spencer Strider for years. For the entirety of the time I've been doing this podcast, Spencer Strider has been an absolute favorite. And they're talking about him potentially working on a curveball. Until I see it, I don't really care, even though it's Spencer Strider. Like, it, it might be great. It might be a terrible pitch. Like, let's say he starts throwing a curveball, and it's just shit. But he just wants to throw a third pitch because everybody always tells him he needs to, and he starts giving up a lot more home runs. And home runs were already kind of a problem. Like, it's not what I expect necessarily, but it just goes to – you don't know. Like, it, it might turn out great. It might not. But it's just something that you can't really read too much into. Those pitch mix changes can be kind of interesting, but you got to take them with a grain of salt as well. Let's talk about a couple of players now, specifically, uh, let's start off with Kodai Senga. This one is really bad news for anybody who has drafted him. When we did our live stream the other night, our uh, our auction draft, my co-host for the stream, Ryan Bloomfield, took Kodai Senga for 22 bucks, and now we're hearing that he has been shut down with a shoulder strain. He had an MRI that shows uh, that he does, in fact, have the strain, and he is going to start the season on the injured list. It's just what we need to kind of expect a little bit over these next couple of weeks, guys. I know it's tricky, especially if you're like me and you've been drafting early teams. It's like kind of walking through a minefield when you draft an early team. I was drafting literally like two days after the season ended. I can't remember exactly who's on that team, but damn sure by the time the season starts, one or two of those guys will be injured. It's just kind of the nature of the game. And Kodai Senga, I, I actually haven't drafted him through my eight drafts somehow I have avoided that minefield. Not that I was particularly out on him or in on him. I thought he was fine. Uh, I had him ranked at about 23 in terms of my starting pitcher rankings. I was or 24 or something like that. Um, but at this point, I've toyed with the idea of removing him from the top 100 altogether. So it's a capsule strain, which is, from what I've read, it's the same thing that kind of changed Corey Kluber's career trajectory. It kind of ruined him. Uh, I don't want to say that it's necessarily that serious, but it's something that I I don't you don't hear a lot of. It's not like a you know, it's not UCL or you know, Achilles injuries or ACLs or MCLs or something that you hear as often. Um, a capsule strain is something that's a little bit different, and I think it's a little bit more severe. Um, David Stearns, who's the president of baseball operations for the Mets, he said that they don't have an exact timeline, um, but he's not expected to be ready for opening day, and I, I have heard them say that he will start on the IL as well so this is kind of concerning obviously if you're a Mets fan you're expecting them to jump right now and sign Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell now this news is already a day old and they haven't done anything of that nature up their offer if they had one already on either of these guys to try and entice them to come and replace uh, Kodai Senga it's like the real baseball take that I have is that it's probably potentially going to send the Mets down um not necessarily a full-blown rebuild, but it puts them in a very, very tough spot to be even moderately competitive this season. You're talking about a very tough division already. You're now looking at a team where the ace is listed on roster resource as Jose Quintana. The rotation as currently stands is Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, Sean Manaya, Adrian Hauser, and Tyler McGill. That's awful. Like, I'm sorry, there's just there's just no competing there, and there's a lot of talk that potentially P. Alonzo will now be on the trade block because, well, he's already been talked about as a trade candidate. Now we're looking at a team that doesn't have their ace potentially for the first couple months of the season or maybe even longer. Like, this could be really, really bad news. Um, at this point, it's, it's looking really bad for the Mets from a real-life point of view. Now, from a fantasy baseball point of view, I'll be very interested to see where Kodai Senga ends up being drafted. 
if people are taking him at all in, in standard leagues. Like I, I can understand wanting to take him if the discount is enough. But if you're looking at 12-team drafts and you're looking only in the month of February, Kodai Senga has been drafted generally about pick 80, 82. Um, the range, well, now we have a draft where he was taken uh, late because we have had a couple have taken place. He went at 213 and 262 in those two drafts. Usually it was between a range of about 40-something, 50-something at highest and about 100 um, but now we've seen a couple of drafts where he's fallen to 213 and 262. At this point, for me, he's on the do not draft list. I don't want – you guys know my philosophy on this already if you listen to the show regularly. If you don't listen to the show regularly, why start off the season with somebody who is going to be probably dealing with injury problems the whole year now? As unfortunate as it is, it's probably the case. When you have a shoulder problem to start the season, it doesn't bode well. Occasionally, somebody will get through that and they'll be healthy and maybe he's fine. But as of right now, I think the cautious route is to not take Kodai Senga at all. Now, if the price is 262, then I don't really have a big problem with it, especially if you are in a league that has IL spots. If you're in a Yahoo league, publicly, private, whatever, you have IL spots, and Kodai Senga's going in that kind of range, we'll have to see, right? Because Yahoo drafts are different. You don't have the exact data like from every draft like you do on the NFBC. But as we start to get more drafts coming in, we will have to see if Kodai Senga is going in the 200s, if he's going maybe still in the 100 and some odd range. Like we'll have to, it'll really depend on the price. But if he is going in the 230, 240, 250 and beyond range, and you have IL spots, it's kind of a no-brainer at that point. If you don't have IL spots, then it becomes a little bit trickier. But I still think you can make the case uh, at pick 260. You're not talking about somebody that's going to have a, a huge impact on your team one way or the other. Most likely, most of the players you take in that range are not going to have a major impact. Kodai Senga is somebody that came over in year one and had a sub three ERA, massive strikeout numbers. Yeah, the whip and the walks are going to be somewhat of an issue. But if he is going in that range and he turns out healthy, then it does become like a massive, massive win for you. I think for the most part, honestly, it really just comes down to that IL spot and your willingness to take a risk. If you are somebody that is more willing to take a risk, then Kodai Senga is fine. Um, we're still early enough in the process. It's still February that he could very well turn it around uh, in terms of what the outlook is. And maybe this is only something that is going to set him out for spring training and he'll be back in you know middle of April or something. And at that case, if you're getting five and a half months of Kodai Senga at pick 260, then it's probably okay. I just really worry about a shoulder problem at this time of year, meaning we're probably not going to see a fully healthy season from him. And in that case, why am I taking that on my team when I know there's going to be God knows how many injuries that pop up throughout the year that I'm going to have to deal with. So I'm not going to be taking him on my teams, I think. Um, there's a chance, and most of my leagues don't have IL spots. Um, there's a couple that do. When my home league draft comes up, if Kodai Senga's sitting there in the last couple rounds, I'll take him and pop him on the IL. But he's not somebody that's going to be an active target of mine. I think that we're probably dealing with somebody that is a little bit too risky at this point. Let's talk Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson has a contract. He's signed with the Miami Marlins. He's going to be a one-year deal, looking to bounce back and kind of rebuild that reputation at this point. I've taken Tim Anderson in a few drafts this year because it was so cheap. I have him on three of my eight teams so far. It's He's a bench guy. Like The places he was going in, in all these drafts was he was like a reserve round, round 25, 27 type of guy where I don't have to invest a lot. We're talking about one 
year, and it was, don't get me wrong, a horrendous year, but one year essentially where he was bad in his whole career. I know there have been health problems in the past as well, but where you're, the price you're paying for Tim Anderson, you don't really need him to pay off. It's a massive luxury if he does, but if you do take him where I've been taking him generally, pick 350 or so, 12-team leagues, that's round 30. Like it's it's really not much of a much of an investment in a fifteen team league. It's like around twenty three to twenty five type of range. Even if he doesn't bounce back fully, even if he just does exactly what the projections say he'll do, six home runs, seventeen steals, he bats two seventy three. I will absolutely take that. I don't think he's going to have to worry about playing time really at all. Um, he's going to be somebody that will, I mean, who, who knows, but I, I don't really expect him to struggle for playing time. He should be right at the top of the order, either first or second, probably second behind Luis Arise with guys like Josh Bell, Jake Berger, Jazz Chisholm, Brian Dela Cruz right behind him. We could very well see Tim Anderson return to his White Sox form here of his prime years, give you double-digit homers, double-digit steals, score 90 runs, drive in maybe 60, and hit 300. He's a career 282 hitter. And that is factoring in the awful 245 average he had over more than 500 plate appearances last season. So there's a very good chance that Tim Anderson is able to bounce back here. I would not shock me at all. And I think that he is worth an investment. Assuming the price doesn't skyrocket, and I don't expect it to, I think that he is somebody that you should be taking in a lot of your drafts. And I think that he will be a target of mine over the last four drafts that I have this season. Um, I'm going to try and get Tim Anderson as much as I can, assuming he's still going in the 300s. It might even be like 280, 270 at the highest. But even at that point, I mean, we're still talking about what round is 270 in a 12-teamer, like 20, 22 or something like that, 23. It's it's really not that big of a risk for somebody with that much upside. Guys, I want to remind you before I set you off on your way today that I am hosting a live stream on Tuesday. I am in Tout Wars this year for the first time. It was an honor to be asked to be in Tout Wars. And we're going to celebrate with a live stream. I'm going to be doing likely the whole draft, assuming it doesn't go the way our auction did the other night and go for four hours. The whole draft should be on stream. It'll be this coming Tuesday, February 27th at noon Eastern time, so 9 Pacific if you are on the West Coast. I'm going to be joined by my good friend, John Legaza formerly MLB Moving Averages on Twitter. I'm pretty sure everybody knows John. He's a writer for The Athletic. He does a ton of side projects as well. And we're both in the draft together. Uh, I'm going to be drafting from the 10 spot. John is at 8, so you are pretty damn certain there are going to be some snipes going back and forth between John and myself as snake drafts go. But make sure you guys are checking that out, subscribing to the YouTube channel. And I ask of you, uh, if you are somebody who listens here regularly if you enjoy what we do at sports ethos head over to the youtube channel i've sent out the link on my twitter account or you can just go to youtube at uh, sports ethos and leave a like on that video i'd really appreciate getting um the algorithm going on that one we can have a lot of fun in the live chat you guys if you're off on tuesday or if you're at work whatever you can hang out watch the draft i'll have the draft board up john and i will be bantering the whole time it'll be a lot of fun so make sure you guys are checking out that show that's tuesday this coming tuesday february 27th at noon Eastern time. It'll also be live on Twitter if you are somebody who follows me over there. But that will do it for us, guys. Uh, reminder on the accounts, it's JoeOrico99 for myself and for all the fantasy baseball updates at Sports Ethos. It is Ethos Fantasy BB, E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Make sure you're heading over to sportsethos.com and getting yourself a fantasy pass. We are going to have so much stuff for you. You are going to have, it's, it's going to be too much almost to go through, especially on the dynasty side. If you are a dynasty player, Anthony Cates has put together 
the dynasty manifesto essentially it has just been an honor to go through this guy's work and edit him and edit his rankings um it has been a blast going through all this stuff not just anthony but the entire team uh there is so much stuff for you guys to be checking out there but i'll stop rambling i'll let you guys get on with your weekend we'll be back here on monday we will do another team preview and then tuesday tout wars and we'll figure out the rest of the week as we go but until then guys take care have a great weekend and cheers we'll see you then Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.